Soul Detox. Well, so excited to conclude this series. It's been so powerful. Before I jump into the message, I want to let you know that we are starting a Kalos Church Fast uh, on August 6th, where we are going to intentionally disconnect from the world and connect to God. And I think it's appropriate after the Soul Detox. And you guys are saying, I, I just need a detox. I need to get ready for our school year. I need to get back in the rhythm. I want to connect with God. I want to start some new habits. And so next week, we're going to be talking more about that. And I want to encourage you guys all to be here next week because we're going to have a big announcement for Kalos Church in the future. And we're definitely going to need all of our prayers as we announce that. And that's going to be hand in hand with our prayer and fasting. And we're starting to pray new series called Goliath Must Fall. And I, I believe that this fall, that Goliath must fall because we're going to take down some giants. And uh, I think faith is going to rise in this place. And we have some big dreams and big expectations. And we believe that Kalos Church is on a mission to make known the beauty of Jesus. And there's a lot of people we need to reach, amen. There's a lot of people in this room, outside of this room, who could use a lot of hope, purpose, encouragement. And I believe that the answers to the problems of the value are right here in this room, amen. And that God is going to use us to make a very big difference. And so please get ready and prepare your hearts for what you might fast starting in August. It might be a social media fast, it might be a food fast, it might be a sweets fast, it might be an alcohol fast, all sorts of fasts that you could be doing in August. And I believe it's really a practical tool for us to disconnect from the world and to connect with God. And so I'm going to get into my message. The title of my message today is called Idols Become Demons. Idols Become Demons. I'm going to minister out of Mark 8.36. And the scripture says this. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for this amazing community. Lord, as we head into a season of fasting, as we head into a season of a fall harvest, when people are coming back to church and just believing God for a change and a shift in their lives, Lord, I pray that you would use us, Lord, to make a difference. Lord, I pray that our souls would continue to long for you, and we realize that you are the only one who can truly satisfy the deepest longings of our souls, of our lives. So, Father, we just have open hearts and open hands and open minds. We say, Lord, we are open to whatever you want to do in this place. So, Father, we pray, let your will be done in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 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 So, idols become demons. Have you ever tried to do something that you thought would be really good for you, but it turned out to be really bad for you. Has anybody ever had an experience like that? I was talking with Andrew Jennings the other day, and uh, I asked him this question. Have you ever experienced something where you try to do something good, but it turned out to be really bad? He said, I have the perfect story for that kind of idea. When I was first falling in love with Rachel, who used to be Rachel Kelly. Can you raise your hand, Rachel? Come on, so bad. And uh, he said, when I first started to fall for her, we were going on a beach trip. And I thought, if we're going to go on a beach trip, I need to look my best. And I got this idea that I thought would be really good for me in the region of romance. So before we went to the beach, I decided I was going to shave my chest. <laughs> and he's like, I know Rachel, she's a high quality girl. And she needs a suit. 
I don't want you to just worship anything. In fact, I want you to worship me first and foremost, and do not have any idol, because an idol, while it looks good, will end up destroying you. In fact, in Deuteronomy, it's said a little bit in chapter 4, verse 16 says this, So do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol in any form, whether of a man or of a woman, an animal on the ground, a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries along the ground, or a fish in the deepest sea. And when you look up into the sky and see the sun, moon, and stars, all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into worshiping them. The Lord your God gave them to all the peoples of the earth. And see, this is what happens with idolatry. We don't intentionally think, oh, I'm going to be an idol worshiper, or I'm going to give my heart to something else. We don't make a game plan or a five-year plan. What happens is we are seduced into these ideas or into these habits. We're seduced into following the example of the people around us or the examples of the world or celebrities. We're seduced into worshiping things and reprioritizing the issues of our heart where suddenly God is second or third or fourth in the priorities of our heart. You know, you might say, I, I don't have any idols. Like, I don't worship a golden calf something scurrying on the ground. I'm not worshiping the sun or the moon or the stars. I, I don't really have any idols. But I think we all have idols that we're tempted by. And we might not even realize it. You know, an example in this series, it's called Soul Detox, and we borrowed that from a book by a pastor named Craig Rochelle. And he tells this story that I thought was really interesting. His church had led a trip to a small remote village in India, and when they're in this remote village that didn't have electricity or TVs or cars or a little much of the, the modern luxuries that we have, he was talking to this lady and saw that she was sacrificing a chicken to an idol, a carbon image of a god that she had had in her house. So she raised this chicken, and she was going to sacrifice it, kill it, and give it to this idol in her house. He's talking to this lady and says... Wow, this is crazy. You're, you're worshiping by the sacrifices. This is so weird, and it's so different. We would call this, like, different God or idol in our religion because they're talking about faith. And she says, well, you know what? I've actually been to America, and uh, I had a crazy experience. And he said, well, did you like America? And she said, no, I do not like America. And he said, why, really? Why didn't you like America? And she said, because you guys worship so many idols. <laughs> and what? Idols? What idols? What are you talking about? We don't, it's not like sacrificing the chicken. We don't worship idols. Well, she said, well, I went to America, and you guys idolize food. You dream about it. You think about it. There's restaurants on every corner. Food varieties like I've never seen. Everybody in America is overweight. You're fantasizing about this, and then you just eat all the time. You come up with recipes, and then you watch recipes on TV. It's just so crazy. You idolize food. And then you're all overweight, and you go to idolize these sports where you pretend to be sports players, even though you would never be able to compete like them. You put on jerseys like them, and you scream for them, and you gather by thousands of people, and you lift up your hands, and you scream, and you 
know every stat about them, you know all this information about people you've never met, and you try to be like them, and it's crazy. And then you get home, and there's this thing on your wall at your house, and you all center your furniture around it, and you worship this TV for hours, you watch sports and celebrities and entertainment. It's idolatry, and I just would never want to raise my children in an environment like that. And this is such an ironic story because here she is literally sacrificing a chicken, killing a chicken to this idol in her house, but she's disgusted by the idolatry in America. And I think many of us don't even realize the idols we have in our lives, the things that take the priority of our hearts. We would say, oh, we're not like those other pagan nations. We don't have idols. We worship God. But we do have idols we're tempted by to replace the seat that only God can rightfully hold in our lives. And I, I believe that this is a message that could be a little uncomfortable for all of us. And so I'm going to really ask that we have open hearts and minds and hands and we say, God, whatever you want in my life. You know, we have a, a value of statement, a value statement at Caleb's Church that says this. We want to be a church that comforts the afflicted, but also afflicts the comfortable. And you know, I was thinking for the last three weeks in Soul Detox, we've been talking about a restless soul, and we've comforted that. We've talked about a heavy soul, and we've comforted that. We've talked about a tortured soul, and we've comforted that. But I, I think many of us, when it comes to the idols of America and of the world, I think we have a seduced soul. And that isn't something necessarily we need to just comfort, but I think that's something we need to confront and say, God, I will give you my whole life, my whole heart, my mind, because the first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. Amen. And so this whole idea of idolatry, anytime anyone gives a higher priority to something over God, I think we need a soul detox from the idols in our life. And we have to ask this question, how do we detox from idolatry in our life? And so I'm going to give us some tools to help us do this, and I believe that this will be a blessing. How many of you guys want to soul detox from idolatry in our life? Say amen if that's you. Okay, you said amen. <laughs> so the first thing we need to do to detox from idolatry is this. Number one, we need to identify the idols of our soul. We need to identify the idols of your soul. And to do that, in my life, I ask myself about the things I'm thinking about, the things I'm spending my time on, the things I'm spending my money on, and the things that I am talking about the most. If there is a general direction for what I'm spending my time on, my money on, what I'm thinking about and talking about, I might be identifying idols or priorities in my life, all right? So if you're talking about something a lot, that means you're thinking about something a lot. And if the general direction of your conversations always ends up somewhere, like when I'm obsessed about cryptocurrency or a starch diet or building a structure in my backyard or fantasy football, I will get in these loops, these obsessions, like every two months where my general conversations are over here constantly. Ask my wife. She has learned how to deal with my brand new obsessions like every two months where it's all I talk about. It's on repeat. 
It's on loop. And a lot of times, those things, those obsessions in my heart, start to take priority over God. I find myself not thinking about God, not praying as much, not connecting with God, not reading the Bible, not focused on advancing the kingdom of God, but focused on how can I increase my cryptocurrency portfolio. And it becomes an idol in my life. Or if I were to look into your bank account statements and I saw what you spent your money on, would I say that God is a priority in your life? Or would I say that something else is a priority in your life? You know, are you spending most of your money on your whatever? You spend all this money on your home, or your image, or your hobbies, or your lifestyle. But then when it comes to tithing, or offering, or helping the poor, or helping people with your money, or giving back to God's causes, you're like, ah, I just don't have enough money for that. But you have enough money for entertainment, and luxury, and things like that. Well, if I looked at your bank account, and saw the percentages, or the general direction, I might think you have an idol of self-indulgence, or entertainment, things like that. And so we have to look at our money, or, you know, time. What are you spending your time on? Most of the time when I ask people, after a conversation, I'm having a hard time connecting with God. I ask, well, are you spending any time with God? Are you even trying? Well, I just don't have enough time. I'm busy with work. I'm busy with family. I'm busy with this. Well, if you don't have time for something, that means you have to decrease time you're spending somewhere else. Because we always have time for what we do first, right? You always have time for what you do first. So if you don't have time for God, that tells me you're probably not placing Him first. And so there are idols in our life. What do you spend on? What do you spend your time on that might be an idol? It can be all sorts of things for some of us. And I and I don't like our, our social media following. You know, if your general posture when you're taking pictures is like like this, uh, you know, like that, and you're constantly aware of how many followers you have, or how many likes you have, or how good you look in a picture. You have to take like a thousand selfies before you post one. You might be finding out that your social identity is an idol in your life that you prioritize above God. You know, for many of us, it can be children even. And I, I believe children are a gift from God. I love my son, Obi. I believe I'm supposed to invest time and money and care and nurture him. He and my wife are my number one ministry on earth. It's the focus of my heart, even above Kalos. But if I place Obi above my relationship with God in my time, my thoughts, if he becomes my God, and I, I adjust my whole life to worship my son, Obi, and he gets whatever he wants, and my whole life is subservient to him, and I start choosing my son over Jesus Christ, then even my son can become an idol in my life. And I think we see this a lot of time in the American church, like, oh, I can't, I can't make church a priority because I, I have to go to all my kids' sports matches. And so instead of raising my kid in the house of God, I'm going to raise them in the house of polo. And i got to make sure that my kid can qualify for the 2032 polo future because this kid is talented. And so we start sacrificing, praying together, worshiping in a community of faith for sports, and I think that can become an idol. We're going for it this morning, aren't we? Sometimes our idols can be nationalism. 
or patriotism. I've heard so many people in church say, oh, you can't follow Jesus if you love Republicans. Oh, you can't follow Jesus if you're a Democrat. You can't follow Jesus if you endorse this political candidate. And our faith becomes second to our patriotism. Our faith becomes secondary to our political alignment. I hated it. I remember one time this girl was a brand new Christian and she voted as a Democrat. And then someone in a church I was at said, hey, if you voted as a Democrat, you cannot go to heaven. You can't be a Christian. And that was more in the Midwest where I used to live. Now in Seattle, I've heard people say, hey, if you endorse any Republicans, you are not a follower of Jesus. And to me, that says you are prioritizing one nation in the midst of hundreds of nations above the priorities of God. If that's you, if your politics have become more high of a priority than Jesus Christ, I got bad news for you because I want to be honest. There are no dual citizens in the kingdom of God. We as Christians are citizens of heaven and citizens alone. God is a priority, even above America. Can I keep getting in there? <laughs> it's a real deal. And I want to let you know, America will not last forever, but the kingdom of God will. The kingdom of God will. So we better get our priorities right, because sometimes these things we focus on that we think will give us pleasure or life or will benefit us will eventually backfire on us like a sunburned chest. Amen. <laughs> and so this is helping us to identify some of the idols we might have in our lives. And so once we identify them by looking at our thoughts, our time, our conversations, and our money, we need to begin fleeing from idolatry. Flee. First Corinthians 10.14 says this, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Everyone say flee. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. And I'm reminded of the story in Judges chapter 6 when God speaks to Gideon about tearing down the altars of that nation. And God says this to Gideon. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to all, and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. And so there's this language when it comes to idolatry to flee to tear down idols. And I believe that if these idols exist in your heart and in your life, you don't just manage idols, you obliterate them. You don't just manage idols, you tear down the altars. You tear down the idols. You say, hey, I am not going to tolerate you anymore. Nothing will compete with my love for God. Nothing will take the priority in my heart like Jesus Christ because only Jesus is the king above all kings. Amen. Only Jesus is the Lord of lords. Amen. Only Jesus is worthy of the complete and total surrender of our hearts, our body, our mind, and soul. Only Jesus is worthy of all praise. Only Jesus is worthy of our whole lives, of our whole surrender. Everything in our lives pales in comparison to the priority and the amazing nature that is Jesus. Amen. And so we must tear down idols. We must flee from idolatry. You know, in high school, 
I was a wrestler my freshman year, and I, I, I thought I was a pretty good wrestler. I was about 100 pounds, and I was, I was, I was a little wild. I'd get in there. <laughs> I see. You know, and uh, I, I would just get in there, and I would wrestle. It was awesome. And our wrestling program in Apple Valley, Minnesota, was actually really good. We had won nationals a couple years in a row. I think at that time we had won state like 17 years in a row. So it was like a religion. Wrestling, getting on the team was a big deal. And I was on the team. I was, I was doing matches. I was competing. It was awesome. But during this time, I actually became a Christian. And I realized I, I, I have to make a choice because in wrestling, I would get there before the sun rose. So it would be dark, and I would wrestle before school started. Then I'd go to class. And then after school, we would have another wrestling practice. We did two sessions a day. And I would exit practice after the sun had set. And I, I would just give my whole life to wrestling. I'd wear special clothes to break weight throughout the day. I wouldn't eat food. So I could get down to that like 100 pound weight category. And it became a priority of my time, of my diet, of my money, of my focus. And it was during this time I, I was starting to become a Christian. And I, I realized our practices on Wednesday nights, I had to choose between going to church or practices. And then we started having meets during the weekends. We would travel. And so I could go to Sunday worship. And this was a really critical time in my faith development. And uh, I realized I had to choose between wrestling and the community of faith, a church, a place where I could worship, hear the word of God. And as a high schooler, this was a big decision because it was part of my identity. It was my priority. It was where my friend group were. It was like the identity of the school. But I also was like really wanting to know more about Jesus and worship and find out more about this faith because I'd been suicidal and depressed and the things of my past didn't work and I was finding that Jesus gave me life and purpose but I had to draw a real line in the sand. And so as a teenager, I decided I'm going to quit the wrestling team. And I did. And it was hard. A lot of my friends didn't understand. It was painful. But I was able to lean into God. I was able to learn about Jesus overcome depression as I held hands with the church and held hands with Jesus. I was able to find a new identity in Christ and I realized, like, the priority of wrestling, like, wrestling's not a bad thing, money's not a bad thing, careers are not a bad thing, families are not bad by any means, but compared to Jesus, nothing satisfies the longings of our hearts. And so I do not regret for one second that I chose Jesus over wrestling. Because it connected me to the source of true life. And he who gives up what he cannot keep to gain, what he cannot lose, is no fool. Amen? And so I felt that, I experienced that. As I gave up this very painful idol in my life, I found that it set me up for a true life. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus has an encounter with someone called the rich young ruler that kind of reminds me of this. It says in verse 17, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your mother and father. 
Teacher, the man replied, I will obey all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, I love this. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. He couldn't give up his possessions to follow Jesus. It was an idol in his life. And it's not that God doesn't want us to have things. It's not that at all. It's that God doesn't want things to have us. Right? Let me say that again. It's not that God doesn't want us to have things. He doesn't want things to have us. Because only God can give us life and life abundantly. These other focuses will not lead us to the hope in life we think they will. Money is great, but it will never satisfy you like God. Fame is great, but it will never satisfy you like God. Family is great, but it will never satisfy you like God. I mean, it's awesome. We cannot elevate these things and expect life is going to be all that it can be. Jesus is the source of life. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Amen? And so I believe that it is possible for us to have a full schedule and a full life and an empty soul. And that happens when we place God at less of a priority in our life. So once we've identified our idols, once we've decided, I'm going to tear down these idols, we need to, number three, we need to fill our souls with Fill our souls with God. I love how this is in Psalm 179. This language I hope I have in my life. This language I hope we can have in our life. Listen to the psalmist as he says about oh God. For he satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. Psalm 41. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. I love this language. Is this how our soul is postured? When we say our soul longs and pants and yearns for Jesus, if I looked at your wallet, what you spend your money on, look where you spend your time, look what you talk about, would I say, oh man, this person loves Jesus. This person has prioritized God above everything else. Would I say, man, I wonder if there's an idol here that needs to be torn down. A wonder. You know, that's why I'm so excited that next week we're going to start a time of fasting and praying as Halo Church. Because we're going to say, God, through fasting, I'm going to disconnect from the world. I'm going to disconnect from idols. Maybe I have to get a TV or social media. Maybe I need to, you know, fast for meats and sweets. Maybe I need to do a quick fast. And I'm just going to, I'm going to disconnect from the idols of my life. I'm going to reserve time. Maybe I'm going to I'm going to disconnect from my lunch schedule, and I'm just going to reserve that for God. And I'm going to disconnect from idol. But then, over here, I'm going to pray. Not just going to fast, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to connect to God. And I'm going to let my soul be filled with the pleasures of God. Because I realize that the legitimate pleasures of this earth will never satisfy my soul like Jesus. Never. And so, Lord, I will fast and disconnect from the world, but I will also pray. I will connect to you, God. I'm going to eat and feed 
knees, and I'm going to be a, like a deer that pants for the water. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I am thirsty. If I told you that one of my 30-day challenges was, I'm going to see if I can go 30 days without water, you would be like, hey, you're crazy. You're going to die. But I feel like many of us have taken on the challenge of going 30 days without Jesus, going 30 days without satisfying your soul. We unintentionally fast from Jesus, but I think we have an opportunity that as a church, as a community, we will say, Jesus, fill my soul. I think, Healers Church, I'm just as guilty as anyone here. This isn't me bringing condemnation, but this is me saying, hey, idols, other priorities, our image, our career, our money, our family, our hobbies, our sports, our diet, it might feel good for a while. Now I'm not saying there's anything inherently evil about them, but these things, money, money makes a horrible God. Money is good, but makes a horrible God. Family is good, but makes a horrible God. Hobbies are good, but make a horrible God. And so we need to say, Jesus, I'll have no idols before you. My soul